You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, my name is Blake, and I have just a quick note before we get started. Actually, it's more like a recommendation because this podcast is an immersive audio fantasy. And what you're about to hear is best experienced with headphones on, imagination on, and everything else turned off. Welcome to Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast. My bones are thick with winter. I haven't been outside in days, let alone thought about nature or ruins or my imagination at all. My bum ankle pleads with me to stretch it before I rumble 44 miles south of my house in the Mid-Hudson Valley to Huguenot, New York, just under an hour's drive on State Route 209, a stretch of county highway littered in abandoned spaces. Once the gateway to the miraculous Borscht Belt, now a gash of grandiose geographical grit that I've come to know very well ever since May of 2020 when I first ventured out in search of the ruins of America. Those first two months were full of sanitizing mail as I retrieved it from the mailbox. So it is important if you're handling any mail or packages that you're going to bring into your home that you actually mail. sanitize this the right here. I got it. And then I thought, well, maybe I should touch it. We so wipe down our mail or our groceries. Tonight, we get answers from Mercy Medical Center. Two months of wiping down groceries, letting them sit in the driveway for 15 minutes. People on social media are taking pictures of themselves sanitizing their groceries. The virus has people taking precautions, changing the way we do normal activities. Like we the store. Do you need to wipe down your groceries when you get home? We asked Dr. Reddy. Two months full of panic anytime I inhaled oxygen in public. Then, that first summer encouraged fear to loosen its grip amidst a social and cultural reckoning. Suddenly, lots of people realized that they'd been complicit in the white supremacist machine. Speaking of racism, in the United States, the last rights of George Floyd were held. Cautions eased as marches ensued. Gathering became normalized again. Sort of. Then the fall, and people forgot about Black Lives Matter. Caution began to pull its bootstraps up again, and not just because caseload numbers slowly began to rise, but 
also because the country held its collective breath as we waited for election results to come Joseph in. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Joe Biden has won the American... The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice president, president Joe Biden... ...also make California Senator Kamala Harris the first Donald woman... Trump, the 45th president of the United States, will be denied a second term. That has not happened since 1992. We can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. He is president-elect Joseph Robinette Biden. Then, the winter. December. The numbers skyrocketed. The GOP attempted to gaslight the public. But most of us knew the truth. And now, it's January. We have a new president, though there's a small percentage of us who don't think that's true. I know the feeling. And a lot of us seem to think all our problems are solved, but my bones are thick with winter. I haven't stepped outside in days. I haven't thought about nature at all, except for how the cold makes my bum ankle act up. I haven't thought about ruins, imagination, just winter. And stupid fucking COVID-19. As I pass by the abandoned factory, I dream of the day where I don't hear the word pandemic for at least 24 hours. My car rolls, slowly, somewhere along the 212-mile stretch of highway between Millersburg, Pennsylvania and Kingston, New York, that is Route 209. I scope out a parking lot around the back of the building, completely out of sight. I spy a pool of water on the outskirts of the property, hidden by a grove of dead trees. After I park, I google the address for the crumbling structural carcass, the vacant and forgotten C&D battery technologies, plopped on some ten acres of land. And I make a troubling discovery. In 1999, the factory was stamped with a scarlet letter. Class 2 Inactive Hazardous Waste Disposal Site. It's a serious citation from the New York Department of Environmental Conservation. For years, 1959 to 1970-ish, Empire Tube Company, the former occupants of the plant, dumped chemicals galore, lead, fluoride, barium, cadmium, into the tiny lagoon that I passed mere seconds ago right into the groundwater. This only means one thing. My imagination is on the precipice of another Aaron Brockovich fantasy. I've already played this part once before, you know, in the last episode. Part of the beauty in poking about these giant, disintegrating architectural relics of the past has been my ability to reconnect with the kid in me, hacking into my imagination and playing pretend. 
The mere act of exploring these abandoned spaces has been a safe haven, a manner of healing as the world around me burns. See, in May of 2020, I felt myself falling into a spiritual coma. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. Having finally succumbed to a part of my... Um... How do I put this? What is cyclothymia? So, what is cyclothymia? Or what is cyclothymia, and how is it different from bipolar disorder? A sector of my mental illness I'd long been ignoring, and in doing so, completely forgotten who I am, and what I like, which is to explore and create. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. It took a goddamn global pandemic to bring me to my spiritual knees and begin to dispel the palpable fear that had taken over my life. Fear of lots of things, among them, the fear of letting everyone down because I can't get my shit together. We are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual I step out of the car and bend down to stare into the dead, blank screen of an RCA television. The model number has been scratched off through years of wear and tear, but it looks like it's from the late 70s or early 80s. When your television picture tube goes, be sure to insist on a brand new RCA picture tube. RCA wants you to see the right color. I stare into the glass. And that's when Aaron Brockovich appears. RCA is making television better and better. We exchange glances, and suddenly, I step into her heels. It's go time. I stealthily maneuver into an unmanned hole on the side of the building, next to a sign that says, Shipping Department. Once I pass through the wound in the wall, through time and space, I enter 2006, days before the shutdown of the plant, when hundreds of people lose their jobs. I notice a lack of staff. There's not a ghostly soul in sight. The walls are a creamy yellow and pungent blue. If I can't collect samples in here, then I can certainly swing around by the ponds full of chemical sludge on the way out. But more importantly, if I'm going to blow the whistle to the EPA and the New York Department of Environmental Conservation, I need conclusive proof that CND knows what's happening. There's barely any light, only the shards of sunshine poking through the cracks in the ceiling. I enter a giant open space as big as an arena. I take in my surroundings, then head up a ladder to the landing on the second floor, where I begin to rummage through offices. They've done a good job of hiding any damning evidence in these rooms. Every single desk is empty, except for one with a large, thick employee manual tattered and torn from water damage dripping down from the ceiling, and an old PC software box for WinFax Pro 
compatible for Windows 95 and 98. Hello, I'm Bill Gates, chairman of Microsoft. I continue down the corridor to another ladder, leading back down to the main floor and find the accounting office, where I peel through more empty desks. These assholes are good. No proof here. I exit the accounting office, past a wet paint sign, ducking out of sight whenever an employee passes me by. I poke my head into side rooms with enormous machines whirring, purring, system lights on, powered by my fantasy. Small pools of water are on the ground, dripping from the ceiling. I enter a large room with a sign that says Lead Loading Dock. There's an office in the back. I step cautiously through broken glass and notice a memorandum on the wall regarding mill operation safety. Under no circumstance is the mill to be left unattended or in a condition that may lead to a fire such as noted above. Covering their tracks. Wily douchebags. I beeline for the ladder on the opposite side of the room and climb up to a strange section of the plant. perimeter is covered floor to ceiling in wood paneling yanked straight out of the 1970s. And in the center of the room is a maze of makeshift walls that don't even reach the ceiling. They're made of plywood and flimsy chicken wire. Like if a chicken coop had a baby with cubicles, these would be the result. These improvised offices are empty, save a few chairs and desks pour through more filing cabinets, drawers, in search of any kind of document to prove that C&D Technologies is indeed aware that they're poisoning the planet. But I can't find a shred of evidence. I notice a gas can on the ground and look closer. The red plastic jug is full. So do they keep this handy in case they need to burn the building down? There are ashtrays on the windowsills looking over the main parking lot. I look inside the moss-colored plastic bowls, and the extinguished cigarettes look... fresh. Like... someone's been here recently. I gravitate towards an adjoining bathroom full of torn-up floors, partially destroyed urinals and toilets, and... I relieve myself in one head downstairs, around to a hallway of rooms. The walls are covered in mold, floor to ceiling. There's a Singer temperature control dial in one, and I turn it, but nothing happens. Then I see a small filing cabinet in the corner. Last chance. I open the top drawer, and inside is a single sheet of paper, a memo, the subject, sample results, C and D, lagoons. I read the results, lead, fluoride, barium, cadmium, they knew this is it. I shiver. The sun is leaving the horizon, so I stick the piece of paper in my pocket, 
leering outside a set of double glass doors where I see two swivel chairs quietly resting in the parking lot. Then, footsteps. A security guard making his rounds. Time to go. Aaron Brockovich whispers over my shoulder. I exit the building and hurriedly make my way back to the car, but I need more than this memo. I need samples of the toxic water, that's why I came here. A paper trail plus proof that there's poison in the ground below, but I see the pesky security guard walk outside, looking around. Fuck. I'll come back, I think. Seven months later, July, I returned to CND Technologies to finish what I started. It was a tough winter, but today is a hazy summer day. Smog from the fires in Canada glides gently across the sultry, steamy sky. As I clamber out of my car, I immediately pull my Aaron Brockovich gloves back on and make my way through thick brush to the lagoons. I pull out my imaginary test tube and kneel down to scoop up a sample, cork it, and look up. The sun shimmers through the haze from the dissipating smoke. Spurts of rain start to glisten my face. I close my eyes and feel the warmth. The fantasy dissolves for a moment. It's been over a year since I started exploring these abandoned spaces, and I am grateful. As a 30-something living in a world that continues to plummet into environmental oblivion, I have fallen back into the practice of playing pretend, a salve to escape the reality of the world, reflect on the past, and have fun, and it's a privilege. My imagination re-emerges. I hear a large metal door creak behind me up the hill. Shit. The same security guard is on duty, taking a smoke break. Nice. The sound of footsteps slowly approaches the outer rim of the lagoon, and I don't move. I stand completely still. My stomach flips upside down. If I'm caught, I don't know what will happen. The noise of shoes on gravel approaching gets closer, then stops. The guard pulls out a cigarette, sets the cancer stick on fire, and inhales. I inhale, too. Regular oxygen keeping my breath slow and steady. And after a couple of moments, he flicks his cigarette into the lagoon like a dick and goes back inside. I rush up the short hill and hop into my car, the fantasy evaporating all around me. I turn the key in the ignition and speed off, peering back at the factory in my rearview mirror one last time in the golden hour. Though my body feels tired, my bones are massaged by summer. 
there's a heat wave coming. I think about the hole in the ozone layer, and I feel scared. I think about the division in the country, and I feel sad. I think about the onslaught of new COVID-19 cases that continue to pop up because folks refuse to get vaccinated, and I feel sorrow. I don't want to go back to another winter of isolation. But then, like a shot through the heart, light enters my body as I breathe and remind myself that I have an escape hatch whenever I need it. These abandoned spaces, the ghosts that wander among them, the unknown, untold stories inside. I don't know what's going to happen this coming winter, but I do know right now that my bones are coated in summer. And I am grateful for the sun, the silence, and the space to dive into my imagination where I feel sturdy, safe, and secure. From the back seat, Erin Brockovich puts her hand on my shoulder. You're going to be just fine. She whispers, then vanishes for good. And I smile as the sun presses through the clouds, the sky pink and purple and gold and covered with smoke from the fires far away in Canada. If you're just tuning in for the first time, then welcome to the first season of Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast. And if you're back again, then hey, it's good to see you. Join me every other week as I take you on a sonic journey, recounting my expeditions of abandoned spaces across the United States, which I transform into fantastical audio experiences that allow you, dear listener, to dive into my imagination with me. Or maybe inspire you to go out and use your own. In two weeks, take a ride with me to the Sawyer Kill Motel and into both 1960, when the world was introduced to the fictional voyeur motel owner Norman Bates, and also 2016, when the world was introduced to the non-fictional voyeur motel owner Gerald Foos. If you don't want to miss it, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to turn the notifications on. And do me a favor, if you're feeling fancy, would you please rate and review this first season on any of those platforms so that I can keep feeling the fantasy with you? Or, even better, share it with other people who might be in need of an adventure. And if you like to read or enjoy amateur photography, you can also catch up on more of my adventures at allamericanruins.com or follow me on Instagram at allamericanruins. Abandoned, the All American Ruins podcast is hosted, written, edited, and produced by me, Blake File, with studio space courtesy of Radio Kingston, WKNY, AM 1490, FM 1079 in Kingston, New York. Special thanks to Ida Hakala, Jimmy Buff, and Manuel Blas for the mentorship and encouragement. You, the listener, for taking the time to explore these abandoned spaces with me. And Aaron Brockovich 
for letting me take on her persona for not one, but two adventures. 